Lots of righteousness tends to belong. So keep your love on, on. Welcome to the Get Your Love On podcast. This show is dedicated to the family of faith around the globe. In each episode, we learn how to simply walk with God in all his awesome love, incredible power, and authority. It's straightforward, and it's straight from the word. We have free resources for you at getyourloveon.org. That includes free Bible studies and an amazing free video series, all there to answer your questions, build your faith, and of course, we'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us by going to getyourloveon.org. We have an amazing episode here, so let's go. Let it shine bright, bright, bright. Keep your love on, 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 on. Don't let it die, don't let it die, don't let it die, no, no. We are discussing today the power of our words and the power of words in general, both good and bad. And how knowing the true voice of God is the key to success in our walks. So blessed to have you here because as we know, God is only righteous and he's always victorious. So as we align ourselves with him, we get that same victory and we get to proclaim that same righteousness and live in it. It's true, God is moving and moving quickly and in many ways. And last weekend, we got to meet an amazing group of leaders as part of a developmental baseball academy. They're called the West Coast Wapos, and they put God first and help baseball players that have largely been rejected because they won't play political games in the world of baseball. A lot of them have been told, you're not good enough, you can't make it. And this organization proves all those doubters wrong. They are, quote, a Christ-centered global baseball development and college recruiting organization with multi-sites across the United States. This is what they posted in their latest Facebook post. It says, to God be the glory as we continue to develop world changers. That's their vision. Young men of character focused on their God-given purpose, placing him first and living a life that will make a strong impact in the world. This organization is based out of Tucson, Arizona. I got to sit down with their director of baseball. His name's Trajan Ortega. He and his son now run the organization. His son, as you'll hear shortly, actually founded it. But at the age of 13, Trajan Ortega, he was kicked out of his own home, and he was on his own, homeless. But there was a man in his life, a stepfather, of a friend who offered three words every time he saw Trajan. Those three words, God loves you. He planted those seeds and just watered as he could, not knowing really what Trajan was going through as a 13-year-old homeless young man just focused on survival. Those three words, God loves you, though, kept Trajan until the age of 27 when he was baptized And he said when he came out of the water, he felt totally free of the past and of pain. And now he leads this organization that puts God first 
and helps baseball players find college scholarships and other opportunities. So I had the great pleasure and privilege of sitting down with Trajan and after I got to visit the Guapos, uh, we got to offer them Bibles and share our faith and love for Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Ortega and I sat down and he told Get Your Love On how and why this organization puts God first. Your son wanted to kind of make a place for these overlooked athletes, those that necessarily weren't uh, playing the political game with their high school programs. And so you, you got this organization started with that intent behind it. When the Wapples came, came into play was because he, he had committed to a college, a university, but they pulled his scholarship. They got a text and said that his scholarship is gone. And when he saw that his scholarship was gone, he goes, he came in very quiet. And I told my wife, something happened. She goes, what do you think? I go, no, no. And he walked in, he goes, I'm done with baseball. And I go, no, go to your room. Go to sleep. I got you. Got on my phone and I started sending out texts to, to my contacts. And I started, I said, hey. And my phone was going off and I walked into his room. He didn't even know I could do that. And I go, look, here's 100 texts. What do you, who, what coach you want? Cheer up. God's got you. Keep your focus in faith. And he got up. He was wild. The first thing he did, he grabbed his Bible. And I walked out. And I, and I let him be with our Lord because I knew our Lord would was there for him there and guiding me to help him. And after that, he was 100% focused on saying, we're going to make an organization that's going to, I'm going to help kids. And so we, we started helping kids and it started with four that were cut, helped them get signed. And then it turned into 17 and eventually they all signed to college. So 17 athletes that were told they weren't good enough. 17 athletes that were told they couldn't be successful, all signed to college. Mm -hmm. And they said it felt really good when they sat at the table and they signed their letters of intent. And I told them, they go, thank you, coach. I go, no, it's not me. Don't thank me. To God be the glory as we get better. That's, that's a big, that was a big part of the Waffles, from helping kids that were let go to building them in God's name because a lot of them didn't believe in God. One was agnostic. And he sat with me in a Bible study. He came and, and building their word in them. Mm-hmm. And then later on watching that they're being successful in school, hearing them speak on that. We had a young man that didn't believe in God. He came, he was a senior from New Mexico. He was cut from a college program as well. And he would never be in the, he would never be in the circle. He'd, he'd stand outside and watch us. And, 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 and then he believed, he, he would go, coach, I, I believe in what I believe in, but I don't believe this guy. You got to prove it to me. And I was like, don't worry about it. I go, it's not my job to prove it to you. Just, we love you, and we'll keep pushing. He went to college. He was let go from a college, and he thought he had nowhere to go. He went to play college back east, and then um, he called me, and I called, and I said, hey, share something with the boys. Tell them about college life. First thing he said was, you got to put God first. God keeps leading me, man. I was lost because I, I didn't believe in God when I was there. He's all, but I got here. I'm not around my family. And I'm just talking to God. He goes, I'm going to tell you guys, coach and the waffles is right. When you put God first, the door is open. He goes, the college is easy to me right now. He's like, because I don't focus on the bad. I focus on the good. And he goes, and one thing that impacted me, and again, I, I've, I've had some tears come out a couple of times with these athletes because it, it just comes out of nowhere. He goes, is that coach Trajan is right. That when you put God first, 
the purpose is going to open itself up for you no matter what, because God's already leading the way. He goes, and I didn't believe it, guys. He's like, I, I didn't go in the prayers. And he's like, I'm over here by myself. And I'm praying every day. <laughs> so that is a part, big part of the Wapples and how it's been leading to where we're at now. I love how you explained to the young men and you said there's a reason that the G on all of our t-shirts and all of our logos is the biggest. What is that reason? Well, the G is biggest is the biggest is because God is, is first before everything. So when you look at our organization, the G will always be bigger. So it helps every people understand in our organization from the kids to the coaches that if you're having any doubt, if you're, if you feel your ego taking over you, if you feel that you're in a game and you're trying to win at all costs, stop and take a look at your chest for one minute and breathe and remember that he comes first before anything else like you see on our shirts. It's always a reminder and coaches, coaches have, have learned to see that. And, and I always tell the coaches and I always tell directors that if you don't fall in line with, with, with him, with God, God will remove you from him and he will replace you with someone that he wants to be here. Well, and Trajan, it's such an excellent example for young people to see that it's such an important lesson to know is that as, as important as it is to find good mentors and good people in your life, it is equally as important to allow God to remove toxic people from your life. Or maybe they don't seem toxic, but they're the person that's going to chip away at your armor every day and try to create that deterioration over time that God would never want for you. I love that example. It's a powerful one. And it's incredibly powerful for young people who are faced with immense pressures um, and the idea that just go along with the crowd, just go along with it. And your organization says, nope, we have godly standards and we're sticking to them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No, we, we do. I mean, the standards that, that they're already set. I mean, they're already given to us. I always say when, when, when it comes to making a decision of letting, letting someone go or, or being removed from the organization or hanging out with friends or picking the right people to be around is that they have to understand that when they come across you, you want to show them the love, but you also want to show them that you got to follow a standard. You got to follow a code and then you got to follow a code that has some value to it because the world, the world will lie to you. And I tell, the, I tell the athletes all the time, sin is beautiful, man. It, 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 he paints it like it's beautiful. And, and you're looking at it, oh, that's cool. But it's not. you gotta, you got to look past it. And then when, when, when you've got to let a friend go, and you've got to let go of people that you were in your circle for so many years that you thought that this is what you were like, God is going to pull you away from that. And that's what I tell the coaches. I'm not letting you go. No one else is letting you go. It's God pulling us away from it because you're trying to live in the world. And if you're going to live in the world, there are so many other programs. There's so many, you, you can go start something, an organization. But in this one, this one is set on its standards and its morals. And, and, and we're not arrogant. And because God commands us not to be arrogant. We're peaceful. Mm -hmm. We're loving. And we're competitive because God is competitive. And he wants us to be competitive. Right. And we're making world changers. He's victorious. He's only victorious. And while baseball is the activity and how you guys have fun, God Almighty is the focus of your organization. And that's why you guys have had this success. Because the one thing I always say to everybody, you are a waffle. You're a waffle. 
everybody's a wobble. And it means handsome, or it means good looking. And God created you in his image, so you, you are someone that you should look in the mirror and you should be able to tell yourself, I'm a wobble every day. Because mm-hmm. God's going to tell you that. And God knows you're a wobble. And, and, and you know, for example, I am loved. I get up every morning, that's the first song that I hear. I am loved. As you said earlier, but I'll reiterate it because it was so awesome, Christ was the greatest coach of all time and gave us the greatest playbook anyone could possibly want to proceed through this life with victory and with confidence and with love and compassion for one another. I mean, what, what better, what better life could we possibly lead? So Trajan, thank you so much. Your whole organization is in our thoughts and prayers. I'm sure this won't be the last time we get to talk. Oh, well, thank you for having us on. And again, I appreciate you for coming out this weekend. Uh, it was amazing from you bringing out the Bibles and, and seeing our, watching the young men go, can I have one? Yeah, and they went and grabbed it. And we're going to use your gift of that playbook, and we're going to keep watering that seed. The West Coast Guapos organization, it's an incredible baseball academy. And as you heard, they're looking to water the seed of the word in all these young men's lives. This is Get Your Love on Radio. You just heard too that the the word of God is the perfect instruction manual. It's comprehensive. It's the perfect playbook. And our team here at Get Your Love on loves those like the West Coast Guapos who are focused on as as you heard Trajan say, building up these young men in the word. In the Word. It's so important because that is the perfect manual. That is the perfect instruction uh, for our lives yesterday, today, and forever. It's That's never going to be changed. And so here at Get Your Love On, we have an awesome team of faithful soldiers of God who produce these wonderful teachings and they're all on YouTube. They explain God's word in simplicity and truth, and they help us gain great knowledge of God because they are simple and they are true. And so I wanted to offer a sample of that right here today. This is uh, from a series on Christ's Sermon on the Mount. This is part 15, and again, you'll want to go back and watch parts 1 through 14 as well. But this one, it deals with the importance of our words. And as you heard with Trajan, that his wisdom and his love for the Lord came and was planted at the age of 13 as a homeless 13-year-old. Imagine that. Just focused on survival. But those three words, fitly spoken, God loves you, kept him through those great challenges. And now you can hear that beautiful love that he has for these young men. So these words, the words that come out of our mouth and the words we allow into our ears are really, really important. We need to make sure that those seeds that are being planted are are of God and are of a truth. So this next message, this is from Sermon on the Mount. This is, again, part 15. It's a YouTube video. If you go to getyourloveon.org, we have all of them linked so you can make sure you get to the right YouTube channel. Uh, But this is our wonderful friend, a beautiful minister. His name's Corey. And this is Sermon on the Mount, part 15. But this about what goes into our mouth, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the man, this defileth a man. 
Do you not un yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draft? He was talking about food. The Pharisees were jumping on his disciples about not washing their hands and then eating. He was telling them, well, that's not what defiles a man. You, you eat food, it goes in your mouth, it goes through your digestive tract, it comes out the other end, and that's that. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Like I said earlier, the mouth is a two-way portal. Those things that come out, out of the heart, proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which would defile a man. There's things that come out of the heart of a man, out of the mouth, and those are what defile a man. But this is why we guard those portals into our mind. When things come into our mind, it affects us, it can affect our heart, and it can be established in our heart and in our mind. And once those things come in spiritually, then they can come back out and defile us. If we have the word of God going in and filling us up, cleanses our mind, it enters into our heart. And when that fills our heart and mind, it comes back out. We speak the things of God. We do the works of God. The word of God comes out of us. It's the same thing with ungodly spirits. If ungodly things are coming into our mind through our eyes or our ears, or we weaken ourselves so that it can affect us, by taking in things in our mouth, those things can enter in, alter our mind, affect our heart, and then they can come back out. And then that defiles us. So we guard those portals and we keep ourselves full of the spirit. And then we don't have that problem. Keep ourselves built up in the Holy Ghost. We come back out through our words and we come back out through our works, good or evil. Whatever's going in comes back out. Now those words and works or actions, again, they're rooted in spiritual influences. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. When we hear and see those good things of the Lord, those are what come back out of us. But it's only by the Holy Ghost. I want to make that very clear. It's not just anyone can open this book and start reading or just sit down and listen to a tape and they're good to go. That filling of the Holy Ghost, that's the primary requirement. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 2, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So to be full of the Spirit, it's more than just what we see or hear. There's something more that God gives us. Verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, by the Holy Ghost. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. So now we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God gives us the Holy Ghost. When we're filled with the Holy Ghost, 
then those things that come into our eyes that are holy, those things that come into our ears that are holy, that'll keep us topped up because then we understand them by the Spirit. We can interact with the Spirit and have spiritual growth with those things. If we don't have the Holy Ghost, those things may go in, they may have some effect, but without the Holy Ghost, it's not full. There's no power there to displace anything else. It just kind of goes in and there's nothing there to make it alive because the whole, it's the Holy Ghost that makes the scriptures alive. Natural man will read the word of God by the letter and put his own interpretation on it. But when you read it by the Holy Ghost, then the word becomes alive. Then the true understanding of what God's actually talking about comes through. And that's what does the work in a soul. It has to be done by the Holy Ghost, with the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's how we do those things that please God. That's how we subdue the flesh. And that's how we protect our minds and hearts from the corruption of the world. We don't do it of our own holiness or our own strength or our own wisdom. We do it by the Holy Ghost that's given to us by God. Now, which things we also speak, which comes back out, it's not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So when I talk about guarding the portals of our mind, there is kind of a, there's a physical interaction there. You physically don't look at stuff. You physically don't hear things. You physically don't take things in your mouth. But there's also a spiritual aspect to that too. Because you're discerning what not to be looking at. What not to be listening to. What not to be taking into our mouth. There's a, there's a spiritual discernment there too. And that's where the Holy Ghost comes in. In recognizing what's clean and what's not clean. What is for us and what is not for us. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. So what do you mean you don't go to nightclubs every weekend? Pfft, who stays at home every weekend? You know, it's just foolishness to them. Well, marriage is just, a, that's outdated custom. Nobody gets married anymore. See, it's just, they think it's foolishness. It's to their destruction. See, but it's foolishness to man. Neither can man know them, because they're spiritually discerned. It's got to be done by the Holy Ghost. God is a spirit, and we must walk in the spirit to walk with him. There's no other way to, there's no other way to walk with God except in the spirit. We must have spiritual ears to hear him. We must have spiritual eyes to see him. We must know God by the spirit in order to know him at all. See, a, a man without the Spirit of God, he can read all the word he wants. He can listen to all the preaching that he wants. But if he does not have the Holy Ghost, it's going to be very limited benefit to him. That Holy Ghost is what makes it all alive and makes it effectual. It's the Spirit of life in Christ. Now, in walking in the Spirit, in knowing God by the Spirit, we also hold and protect what God has given us in order to keep it. Because that, that adversary, the devil, Satan, he's constantly looking for a way in. He's constantly looking for a way to try to displace the Spirit of God and usurp himself over it. So we have to hold on to what we have and protect it if we want to keep it. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 15. Therefore, brethren, 
Stand fast, persevere, and hold the traditions what you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Whether it goes in through your ears, or goes in through your eyes. Hold on to it, endure with it. Don't let it go. Now, today, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you, strengthen you, set you fast in every good word and every good work. There you go. That was a sample from our video series on YouTube. Go to getyourloveon.org for all those links. That was a small sample. It's an incredible series of teaching. As you heard, the importance of the Holy Spirit. That's from our beloved friend. His name's Corey. He's a man who diligently waits on God to see what the message of the hour is. And um, <clears throat> if you go to YouTube and you watch the rest of those videos, you will surely be blessed and you will be so well equipped uh, for all the challenges that this life faces, especially if you take some time and digest it slowly and also have your word open. That way you can go along with him through the word. And then there's some Bible studies at GetYourLoveOn.org as well, specifically one that teaches on how to obtain the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the importance of it, and then, of course, the beautiful gifts of the Spirit that once we are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, yes, we get wonderful gifts of the Spirit. And that is fully outlined at GetYourLoveOn.org. So we have a, an abundance of resources for every soul that wants to be fed by the Word of God. And he is moving very quickly. The only way to keep up is by the Spirit. So again, that's why our wonderful friend Corey illustrated the importance of having the Holy Spirit so we can move with this beautiful working of God. Ecclesiastes 3.14 says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God does it that men should fear before him. That's right. It's pretty clear to me right there. Uh, we always want to be on God's side because he has that wonderful eternal perspective. He's always victorious. So yes, we always want to line up with God Almighty. And we want to be able to hear the voice of the Lord personally for ourselves, to be unified with the body of Christ to have that power that he gives, to have that strength that he gives, and for the truth, the 100% truth to be loosed across this nation and across the whole globe. Now, the voice of God comes in many forms. So I brought with me today uh, the sound of the, of the shofar, which is very significant in God's pantheon of beautiful ways to praise him, to hear his voice, and to know his voice. And this is what a shofar sounds like. That is the sound of victory. It's a call to attention. The shofar, that's the, a kind of trumpet. That's one of the ways that God can be heard. The trumpet signifies great strength and power. And we do know that God is doing wondrous works. And we can learn how to be part of it. And just as importantly, also be able to 
reject Satan's attempts to diminish God's works. So we talked earlier with uh, the WAPO's Baseball Academy how there are those that will want to chip away at, at your armor and convince convince us that, oh, that's not God. No, that's not. That's not what he's doing. It's so important for us to know exactly how to hear the voice of God and make sure that it is indeed the voice of God. And so that's what we're offering you today is the how. How to know that this is, yes, this is God's voice. So I have this beautiful message from our dear friend Trish. She gave it to a congregation of faithful, prayerful, diligent warriors for Christ who've been taught to keep their eyes and ears open to be able to see what God's doing. So let's do the same. Let's take on today's teaching and let's do the same. It does require us leaving off the natural mind and, as our friend Corey said, having that spiritual mind. So you're going to hear how supernaturally God operates. And the more we gravitate towards that, the more we seek God in that spiritual mind, the more we'll be lockstep with it and and be able to keep up with all of these incredible works that the Lord's doing. It does take the spirit, though. It does take that. So let's learn God's perspective for this incredible hour so we can see and fully appreciate what God's doing. You're going to be hearing great revelations from the Lord. You're going to be hearing supernatural visions, the variety of God's beautiful angels. Some are huge. (laughs) Some are massive. And gifts of the Spirit. And we can ask God to open our eyes and our ears to also be able to receive everything that he has for us. Because as we just read, whatsoever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it nor taken from it. So let's be part of those incredible workings of the Lord. This message, it's called The Sound of the Trumpet, and it's from our dear friend, Trish. God is such an awesome God. He shows himself in so many different ways. Today, I'm going to cover a topic about trumpets. I'm going to call this message, The Sound of the Trumpet. And first, I'm going to start with, what is the trumpet? What is a trumpet? Over in Joshua 6, verse 4, And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall come past the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. Well, quite often what we'll do here, the people of God will gather together, a solemn assembly, full of the Holy Ghost, recognizing the presence of God in the room, and they will call him and glorify him and make that joyful noise unto him, by sounding that trumpet. They will blow the shofar and everyone in the room will feel that incredible power that's loosed from God. Everyone in the room. And here's some of the things that a trumpet does. When you blow that holy trumpet, there's there's a real significance to it because you remember God is a supernatural God. He's the God of the supernatural. And sound, when it goes out, 
Sound is not without significance. There's a very significant thing that sound creates. And I'm going to cover some of the things that the sound of the trumpet, what it will do. First, I'm going to start when the trumpet is sounded, it brought the people to a focused attention. All of a sudden, all their own cares disappear and their attention is focused on God. Have you felt that? Anyone that's listened to the shofar, doesn't everything else just disappear and you're tuning into that sound and you're feeling the movement that that sound makes through your body and the power that's loosed in the room. Well, let's go to Exodus 19 and we'll start in verse 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. Now he's having them get themselves prepared. Now I know the people of God that have been really taught by his spirit in that supernatural communication between him and them. They know when they're, they're coming to the house of the Lord and gathering together, regardless of where it is, regardless of where it is, whether it's in individuals' homes, whether it's in a, an appointed building, or whether it's out in a, a park setting, you know, amongst the trees, out in nature, when they gather together, because Jesus, he had them out, out in open fields, and they would gather together, they would prepare they know the people that truly of the, are visiting with the Lord and communing with the Lord, they know to prepare themselves to be in his presence, to hear what he has to say. And so the Lord is telling Moses, get them to sanctify themselves today and tomorrow, and then on the third day, wash their clothes. So they had to get themselves prepared. And the washing of the clothes, that's a precursor to the baptism which is to follow when Jesus appears. And be ready against the third day. So on the third day, you want to be ready. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. Now today, he comes upon them in the form of the Holy Ghost, and he dwells in them in the form of the Holy Ghost. And when they gather together, there's still an assembly of the Holy Ghost gathered and the people, they are there to hear what God has to say. And we're going to go on to see what else the people do when they gather together in, as we read through in other scriptures. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about saying, take heed to yourself. Now be very conscious that ye go not up into the mount, nor or touch the border of it. Whosoever touched the mount shall surely be put to death. Now at that time, they did not have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Their vessels were not uh, complete yet with that infilling, so that they, were, they weren't holy the way they needed to be in order to be in the presence of God. They were still in this corruptible flesh. They still had to go through those forms that God gave them to purify themselves. But it, the fullness of God hadn't fully come yet. So that's why God said, don't come to the mount, but stay in that perimeter that I've lined out for you. 
There shall not an hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. In other words, the flesh, that fleshly being cannot try and handle the spirit of God. Even back then, that fleshly being cannot handle the spirit of God or they be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up, up to the mount. When that trumpet is sounded, there's a tone there. There's a voice, a vibration, a voice that's loosed in the heavenlies. In the spiritual realm, there's a voice that's loosed. And he said, when you hear that sound of the trump, that trumpet, come and gather within those perimeters that God put and stand within those perimeters that God lined out. And Moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people, just like God told them to do, and they washed their clothes. It made them aware that they had to be clean. It gave them an, an awareness that they had to be cleaned. Now, when you pray in tongues, you're actually washing your holy garment. See, God gave you the equipment spiritually to wash your vessel. And you wash it in the spirit realm with that interceding with the Holy Ghost through those tongues given to you by God. And your garment then is washed clean and your vessel is filled. And he said unto the people, be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. Don't have any kind of carnal interaction. Separate yourselves wholly to God so that there's no um, earthly or carnal interaction. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. Now God had here a group of people that were very dull, they were fleshly, and he had to get make a great show to get their attention. So he did, he made that thundering and that shaking and there was that evidence of that thick cloud and the voice of the trumpet. See how it has a voice? The voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. Have you ever felt when that shofar blows, all of a sudden you feel that vibration in you? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine when it comes direct from God? Well, that actually does when we blow that shofar by an anointed vessel, that breath that they breathe in, they breathe in that Holy Ghost and that Holy Ghost transforms out through and that voice of that trumpet goes out into the room and it literally will cause you to vibrate. It's very powerful and it has spiritual significance. And that's why, because it brings the human soul to attention. It stands them up and brings them to attention so that they can hear what God has to say. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the nether part of the mount. They stood exactly where God told them to stand.
very carefully lined out. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake, and God answered him in a voice. Isn't that something? God used the sound, that holy sound of his voice coming through that trumpet to bring people to attention and get them focused. When we blow that shofar, it literally calls your soul to attention and brings that focus into play. It's very powerful. It's supernatural. And God's been doing it since the very beginning. And he's the same today as he was back then. In Numbers 10, verse 4, And if they blow but with one trumpet, then the princes, which are heads of the thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves unto thee. Isn't that something? If just one trumpet blows, the princes will gather themselves unto thee. In Isaiah 18, verse 3, all ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see ye when he lifteth up an ensign on the mountains and when he bloweth a trumpet, hear ye. It's calling your soul to attention. Do you know what else it does? When that spiritual heavenly voice goes out through that trumpet that's being blown, it gathers the angels. It's Again, we serve a supernatural God, and it gathers the angels. In Matthew 24, 31, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. It calls those angels in. Do you know that every time, every time that shofar and that voice of God is loosed in the room, that the heavens open and I behold the heavenly host come into the room. The Lord opens my eyes and I actually see what it accomplishes in the spirit. I remember when it first started, when we first um, started loosing that voice of God, I would watch these heads pop down in the room. They would actually be, come upside down and just pop in the room and go, what? Because they heard the sound calling them. It's supernatural. It called them into the presence of God. And they go, what? And they came right in. They came popping in all over the place. And it was delightful to watch it. And then sometimes they would come in and there would be different types of angels. And they would swirl and dance. Some of them just would swirl and dance. They were the most beautiful, beautiful things. And then others were huge. They were warriors and they would stand there and they would dance along too, but they were huge. They were massive warriors, uh, angels, and they would stomp 
like this and I would start to laugh because it was just hilarious to watch them, but they wanted to dance on too. The power and the glory and the majesty of God was so great, they literally would rejoice and dance. I've seen other times where the, the heavens would part. And lately, as it progressed, as the people became stronger and they became accustomed to joining the power of God and the presence of God that's being loosed on the face of the earth and particularly in this area. And I know that there are other areas that are doing the same thing. God's gathering. At times, I remember one time, just one solid angel came down and he was a, a soldier, huge, full armor. And that day I knew he was there for deliverance. I knew that angel was there and that voice that would go out through the meeting was for deliverance. At other times, I would just see the heavens part and the throne of God would ascend and be in the room, would come right into the room, the heavens would part and I could look through the heavens and directly into the throne of God. And I would see his skirts come out and his presence and it would overwhelm me. So if when you see me just gasp and I'll weep, the power of it was so great, is so great, is so great that it just will cause me to weep and it'll cause me to laugh with rejoicing. It's the most incredible thing to see. And I remember one time he came into the room not long ago. And when he appeared that time, there's always a presence that comes with him. And he speaks to me in the spirit one by one form or another. And he sat in the throne and usually he has these beautiful white robes that just his skirts just flow out and the radiance of it. So great. This time he had this breastplate on a very ornate breastplate. I could see the colors of it. I could see the ornate design. He had it on there and I stopped. I never said anything. I just confer with him. And I said, Lord God, this is different. What is this? I began to confer with him. And I looked up in the word and it was the breastplate of judgment. And the message that was preached that day it did talk about the judgment of God. It was on the judgment of God. And I prayed for a deep anointing for the word, for him to be able to use this earthen vessel to get his voice out over the people and open up the deep meaning and understanding of the word. I do believe I took them on the journey of Balaam that day judgment and righteousness. And I looked up that breastplate and there was the description of it, exactly the colors I saw, exactly what I saw in that visitation when he came into the room. And, and I knew and I was assured that that word would be spot on and would go and do what God purposed for it to do. It is powerful. It is significant. And we sit amongst the heavenly host. And at first they used to pop their heads in. Now they come in standing at attention and line the room. They'll come in at attention and line the room. 
because you are known of God to wait upon him, to call upon him, to show due respect to him, not as any kind of ceremony or ritual, God forbid. That's not what God is doing. Moses wasn't performing a ritual. He was performing exactly what God told him to do. He said, my voice is going to come to them through that trumpet. They're going to hear me. And he lined them out very specifically. So it's very powerful what that voice that's loosed through the trumpet. And there's many venues to loose a voice to God when it's loosed by his holy anointing and by his spirit. Remember, always remember, God is a God of the supernatural. And when those things are loosed, there is a supernatural occurrence. And you are literally becoming very familiar of as to how it feels to be in the presence of God and to feel the moving of his spirit. What he sounds like, what he feels like, what, the mo what he moves like in your souls. So when you are in your private times and his presence, you will recognize it when he's moving in you and through you and opening the heavens to you because it is happening. And that's what I pray for, is for each, each faithful soul to have their heart and their mind and their being opened to God, their understanding, their seeing and their hearing, understanding opened to God. Mm -hmm. That all ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth see you when he lifteth up an ensign on the mountains and when he bloweth a trumpet, hear ye. Do you know one day I was looking up, um, I was studying out the shofar and I looked up uh, a video of the shofar being blown and I played it in the room and my little kitty, which is a little creature that was created by the hand of God, he created all things, literally came running up onto the bed and stood staring at this sound that was coming out of, I had it on my cell phone, stood there and didn't move. The spirit in that created creature of God's stood at, gathered, and stood at attention at the voice of God. Never done that before. But stood at attention at the voice of God. And then when it stopped, went and sat and crawled into her little bed and went and played. But I got to see it firsthand, the power and authority of God's voice being loosed. And I'm going, wow, okay, Lord, there's something to this. So I'm going to study it out. And Lord said, please do. And so now it's imparted to you. So it does gather angels. It's God's voice. Let's go over to Revelations 1 verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And remember, every day is the Lord's day. And heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Mm -hmm. 
voice of God. In Revelations 4, 1, after this, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. I've seen it. And the first voice which I heard was as, as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. The Lord does talk to me when that shofar is blown, that voice of God is loosed, the heavens do open. The Lord, I looked right into where, into his throne, I look into his heavenly realm, and he does talk to me. And he will do it for each and every one of you according to his purpose and according to the design that he's designed you in. It's there for every one of his faithful people. In whatever form God wants to present himself to you, he will do it. Bless God. It's real. And it certainly isn't a ritual. It looses and awakens the power of God in a mighty, mighty way. Okay. In Psalms 87, 7, as well, the singers as the players on instruments shall be there. All my springs are in thee. The springs is that word of God flowing out, those living waters flowing out. When we heard the singers sing, those living waters of God flowed out into the air and they create a sound that comes directly from God because they're, they're letting their instrument loose to glorify God. And that's why it lifts your soul. It has a supernatural effect and a supernatural purpose. It's a way to praise God. Blowing that shofar, uh, using that trumpet is a way to praise God. In 2 Chronicles 30, verse 21, And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. They were glad to do it. And the Levites and the priest praised the Lord day by day, singing with loud instruments unto the Lord. That's how they praised him. They sang with those loud instruments. That's why I say, take that deep breath of God in and then just let it go loud, bursting. Didn't the young children's choir do that? Didn't the room shake? Because they were told to loose it and they did. They just loosed it and the room shook. It was the most amazing thing. But it had spiritual significance. It was loosed supernaturally. In 1 Chronicles 13, verse 8, And David and all Israel played before God with all of their might, with singing and with harps and with psalmstries, with timbrels and with cymbals and with trumpets. Do you notice all the instruments there? David 
designed those instruments. Why? So we could praise God. So anyone that wants to think or say or voice that it's just some kind of ritual, I'm saying back to you, I am going to praise God and blow that trumpet any time my heart desires. How about you? Amen. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, in 2 Chronicles 5, verse 12, also the Levites, which were, with the, which were the singers, all of them from Aspha, of Heman, of Jeditha, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. Could you imagine how it feels when just one blows? Could you imagine 120 trumpets being loosed? The voice of God being loosed supernaturally through the air? Wow. King David knew what he was doing when he built instruments. Yep. Wow, wow. And it even came to pass, as the trumpeters and the singer, singers were as one, unified as one voice, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. There isn't a spirit on the face of this earth that can stop my soul from praising and thanking the Lord. Don't let any spirit stop you from praising and thanking him, no matter what guise it comes in or what spin it has. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instrument of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Lord God, open their eyes to see the cloud that fills this house of yours. It's incredible, an amazing and magnificent thing in his presence. You feel it. I know you do. Second Chronicles 7, 6 and the priests waited on their offices, the Levites also with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord. Like I said, David made these instruments so that God could be praised because his mercy endureth forever. When David praised by their ministry and the priest sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. See how it brings you to attention? They stood. There's a power in it. They stood. They weren't moved. They stood. It's very powerful. In 1 Chronicles 23, verse 5, Moreover, 4,000 were porters, and 4,000 praised the Lord with 
the instruments which I made, said David, to praise therewith. What an amazing thing. Do you see why God loved David so much? He made all of those things so that God could be praised. The world today, their instruments glorify the flesh and they take the glory to themselves. They set themselves up to be idols and stars. And it's contrary to the purpose that God designed for those instruments. They've defiled the purpose of those instruments, including the voice. The voice is an instrument to be used to glorify God, not flesh. I want you to remember that when you utilize your instrument, glorify God with it. That's the design that God made. Ezra 3.10, and when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets. Do you notice how they had their apparel on? When we do that, we have that apparel of God, that Holy Ghost, that garment of purity. And the Levites, the son of Aspa, with the symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. Second Chronicles 30, 21. And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. Now we've read this before, but I'm going to read it again. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with loud instruments unto the Lord. Day by day. Isn't that something? They were glad to do it. When you start praising Lord, all of a sudden you're going to feel your mood lift. When David was down and out, when he was under attack, when he was beaten down, when he was at his lowest points, he would get his estate out to God, but what would he start to do right after that? He would start praising God, acknowledging him, and quoting his word. And the la in the left, it would be victory because he would praise God. You want to lift your soul? You can get your plight out to the Lord, but start praising him. Once you get it out, he's got it. You've loosed it by faith. It's in motion. God's got it. He's a faithful God. Then start thanking him and praising him and watch to see your mood lift. Watch to see him delighting you and rejoice. I watch him walk through the room and he is so pleased to have somebody that will even listen to him and want to have him present that will take the time to be quiet and wait upon him so he can move in their souls and visit with them. He's a very interactive, very personal God. That's why we spend time waiting and meditating on him and letting that word go in deep, letting it just settle in so that he can talk to us each individually, each personally. Psalms 98 verse 6, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Make a joyful noise. God sees it as a joyful noise. When you do that, it's a joyful thing. The angels pop in, they go, wow, and they dance and rejoice. The trumpet sounds to proclaim atonement. That trumpet can be voiced to, a, to proclaim atonement. In Leviticus 25, 9, 
Then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land. The meaning of atonement, to expiate or condone, to placate or conceal. That means it does away with debt. To appease, make atonement, to cleanse. It cleanses away. Disannul. Forgive. All of your debt is forgiven. All of your cleaned. Be merciful, pacify, pardon. You're pardoned. Purge away. Put off. Make reconcile reconciliation. I hear that often. When a soul goes down into that watery grave of baptism and come up again, I hear those trumpets blow and I hear the angels sing. They make that sound that resounds in the spirit. It's supernatural. It goes out, in the, out over the land as a proclamation, a declaration of that atonement that's just been given to your soul. And all of that old stuff is washed away. All of it. Everything is washed away. When you go down into that full water baptism under holy hands in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth for the remission of sins, it's remitted. It's done away. And I, re I have heard that from minute one, from the moment I got filled with his spirit, from the moment I knew God, from the moment I received that atonement, I would hear that heavenly noise literally vibrate every time a soul was baptized, every single time. That's why I would weep and I would laugh and I would rejoice with them. It's a spiritual thing. It's very real. The sound of the trumpet brings victory over the enemy. Mm. Joshua 6, verse 5. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when ye hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout and the wall of the city shall fall down flat and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him do you know in the spirit that happens now when that that trump is blown and the voice of god goes out all those walls that were holding people back from the freedom of god from deliverance literally fall down it's very powerful. It literally makes it fall down flat. We'll go down to verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the walls fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Shout! A great shout with me at the sound of the trump of my voice. Shout! There's deliverance in the camp. There is deliverance in the camp. 
How did that feel? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's powerful. It's supernatural. It's real. It sounds an alarm. My voice is like a trumpet. The ram's horn, the shofar, is a trumpet. It releases that, that heavenly sound, that supernatural sound. It sounds an alarm. Nehemiah 4, verse 18. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side. Now look, they were guarding against the enemy. They had to build a house. We're building a house here today. We're building the house of God. So every one of the builders had his sword girded by his side, and so buildeth. And he that soundeth the trumpet was by me. That alarm. If there's any danger coming, that alarm was ready to be blown. Down in verse 20. And what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye hither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. You hear that sound of the trumpet? You gather together quickly. You've got your sword readied by your side. Gather together. God is fighting for us. God will take up. Unite. We just united in that cry. That that sound loosed. God heard it and delights. It's a powerful thing that was loosed. But do you see how they were all prepared? You've been given a sharp sword. The sword is the word of God. And you keep it latched to you at all times. You don't let it go. You don't put it down. You don't lay it aside because it's a spiritual thing. It won't poke you. It's there to be used and utilized. It's there all the time. Isaiah 58, verse 1, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Do you notice how he says, Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Do you feel it? That's exactly what God wants his people to do. Cry aloud and lift up your voice like a trumpet. And that's something, your voice is a trumpet as well. Jeremiah 4, verse 5, Declare ye in Judah and publish in Jerusalem and say, Blow ye the trumpet in the land, cry, gather together, and say, assemble yourselves. Let us go into the defense cities. Gather together. Unify. Get that unified voice, soldiers of God. That unified voice. Blow the trumpet of your voice and shout that loud cry of righteousness. In verse 19, it says, my bowels, my bowels, I am pained at my very heart. My heart maketh a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because thou hast heard, O oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Do you know that is the 
state of my soul when I hear that trumpet sound and it beats inside? And how could you withhold? And I know all of you that have faced adversity and had opposition come to you have experienced these things. And it would burn inside of you until you got that release to cry out to God and get his voice out over the opposition. Verse 21, how long shall I see the standard and hear the sound of the trumpet? How long will the opposition war and fight against the truth of God? Yep, Jeremiah was up against it there. Jeremiah 6, verse 1, O ye children of Benjamin, gather yourselves together to flee out of the midst of Jerusalem and blow the trumpet in Tekoa and set up a sign of fire in Bathsherm for the evil appeareth out of the north and great destruction. He says there's evil showing up. It's poking its head up. It's making a play for you. Get out there, gather together, blow that trumpet, blow, sound that alarm. Also, in verse 17 of Jeremiah 6, also I set watchmen over you. We're a very blessed people because God in his infinite mercy, his great love for his creation, his great kindness set watchmen over you, people of God, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Do you know there's ones out there that will not hearken? There are ones out there that have heard that sound of the watchman, and they actually said back, we will not hearken. It happens daily. It happens hourly. God is sounding his trumpet across the land, and there are ones that war against the truth of God, the standard that he set in the land, and they say, we will not hearken. We will not hearken. And God watches to see who will stand where. Trust me. He watches to see who will stand where. Ezekiel 33, verse 3. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Now this is the watchman. Those that have the charge today to oversee the health of the Christian nation the health of the souls of God that are put in their charge. If when he seeth the sword come upon the land, they see danger coming, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. If anyone chooses not to believe the warning of God, then that watchman is not responsible because he blew the trumpet, he sounded the alarm, he opened his throat and warned them. And if they would not heed, if they're slain, the blood's upon their heads. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. So whoever takes that warning and takes it upon them, 
they'll literally deliver their soul. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. Do you see the responsibility there? But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Do you see why there is such a grave responsibility put in the hands of parents, in the hands of the leadership over the flock? There is a grave responsibility. Those of you that have overseers, those of you young ones that are in a Christian home, and they hear the voice of that trumpet voice through the parents or through the leadership that has the oversight, take heed to it. Take heed to it. That's why there is that trumpet being blown. That is why those warnings are being voiced. That's why those perimeters, like Moses was given those perimeters for the people to walk within. Today it applies even in the spirit, walk within that perimeter of God and he'll be with you. And I'm going to get into that a little later on, even in more detail, because I won't say something if it's not backed up with the word. Oh, I'm just going to make one more comment on that. When that trumpet is blown, when that warning is given, children, thank your parents. Congregation, thank your leadership. Thank them. And people of God, thank God for his incredible mercy and that there is still that trumpet being blown on the face of the earth. Thank and praise him. Thank him for it. Rejoice and delight in it. Joel 2 verse 1, blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh for it is nigh at hand. Do you know when God returns, you're going to hear that trumpet blow. Isn't it a good thing that you're becoming accustomed to the sound and the feel of it now? You'll actually recognize it, delight in it, and enjoying. Bless God. But I have a question. Who wouldn't like the sound of a trumpet? Think about that. A religious spirit hates the sound of the trumpet, hates it, because it hates the true spirit of God. Satan absolutely does not want the sound of the trumpet in any form, no matter what form it is, doesn't want it. And see, he came and disguised himself, transformed himself into an angel of light. That's that religious spirit because it pretends to be the angel of light. It pretends to be a workman serving God, but it is a lie. It's a lying spirit that's just feigning it to cause people to stumble. I was reading this morning a story over in 2 Chronicles verse, um, chapter 23. I'm going to start in verse 1. And it talks about that nature that tries to alter the course from what God's lined down, what God has laid out. 
how it will get in there and try and or uh, just move the purpose of God and shift it a different direction. And in the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and took the captains of hundreds, and it names their tribes, into covenant with him. Now, I'm going to give a little backstory. I will, um, I'm not going to quote direct scripture, but I'll give you just a quick backstory. Uh, the king, the former king, had served God, and he had several sons, and he served God diligently. But the son that took control was evilly affected by the mother. The mother spoke wickedly in this son's ear and caused the people to err and serve some other god. They served Baal. So that wicked mother caused that son to cause the people to err and follow after some other spirit. It was purposed to change the course of God to suit what she wanted. Isn't that something? But Jehu was brought into the picture to clean the camp up. He was brought in to clean the camp up. And the priests were there to clean the camp up. And they went through and they slew that unrighteous king. And that mother got mad. You can read the story. She got mad. So what she did is she commanded that all the other children, all the sons that belonged to that king to be slain because she wanted her altered course put in, pl in place. So she had all of, she had that commandment go out. She was so wicked and so determined to have it her way that she had that commandment go out. But the wife of one of the priests heard of it. She took one of the children and hid him. One of the sons, and she hid him beside him, small one. And as he grew, he grew in stature, and he was the true lineage of the king of David, King David, that true lineage, and he had that true heart. And she saw he was proper. She tucked him away. I know that's why she did it, to preserve that lineage. So here we're going in, and in the seventh year, all of this has transpired. Now this young one that was tucked away has grown to a man, and he's going to take his rightful place before God. I've watched these kind of things happen. I've watched young fledglings have to be tucked away and hidden until they were strong enough to stand and then take their place and the unrighteous removed. I've seen workings like that in the spirit. So, and in the seventh year, Jehoiada strengthened himself and took the captains of hundreds, and then it lists their names, into covenant with him. He had them enjoined. He took the righteous people, the righteous soldiers, and he had them enjoin him and gathered together. And they went about in Judah and gathered the Levites out of all the cities of Judah and the chief of their fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. He gathered the righteous together. Do you see how God is gathering the righteous together? It's very significant. And all the congregation made a covenant with the king in the house of God. They made a covenant. And he said unto them, Behold, the king's son shall reign, as the Lord hath said of the sons of David. See, he's the one that God wanted in place. And that woman wanted something else in place and tried to alter the purpose of God. 
And they're going, nope, nope, nope. The priest said, nope, we're going to put in place what God wanted put in place. I've seen that happen too. This is the thing that ye shall do. A third part of you entering on the Sabbath of the priests and of the Levites shall be porters at the doors. Okay, I'm going to put a third of you to guard the doors. And a third part shall be at the king's house. And a third part at the gate of the foundation. And all the people shall be in the courts of the house of the Lord. Okay, he put them guarding the house. He had them guarding the gate. And he had them guarding the doors of the temple. So he put soldiers guarding everything. And he put each one in their place and the people filled the temple. But let none come into the house of the Lord, save the priests. And they that minister of the Levites, they shall go in for they are holy. Only the holy could enter in. But all the people shall keep the watch of the Lord. Every single person had to keep the watch of the Lord. And only the holy could enter in. Do you see the guard that's there? Do you know it's that way in the spirit today? When you've got that holy structure in place, appointment of God in place, there'll be guards at every door, and only the holy will be inside the structure. Only the holy. And the Levites shall come past the king round about, and every man with his weapons in his hand, and whosoever else cometh into the house, he shall be put to death. Spiritually, that's exactly what each soul has a charge to do. Any other spirit, it's done spiritually today. Any other spirit tries to enter into the house of God, you slay it by the word with that sword. And that sword is the word of God. You get your word of God out and you quote it and send it sailing, send it packing, get rid of it. But be ye with the king when he cometh in and when he goeth out, stand with the leadership that God puts in place. Follow that leadership. Stand with that leadership. Protect that leadership. Support that leadership. Guard that leadership. Safeguard that leadership. And withstand anything that would try and move it out of its place. Do you see what God is doing here? Isn't that something? So they rallied together and he gave them that outline. So the Levites and all Judah did according to all things that Jehoadai, the priest, had commanded. They did everything that they were told to do. All of it, not part of it, not the things that suited them and the other things, if it didn't suit them, they weren't going to do it. They did, they did all of it and took every man, his men that were to come in on the Sabbath, with them that were to go out on the Sabbath. For Jehoadai, the priest dismissed not the courses. He never stopped the flow. He set everything in motion and everybody had their positions and everybody had their charge just as it is today. Moreover, Jehoadai, the priest delivered to the captains of the hundred spears and bucklers and shields that had been King David's which were in the house of God. Do you know those overseers today supply you with that in the spirit? When they deliver you the pure word of God directly from his throne, by his appointment, he's giving you those spears and those bucklers and those shields 
that garment, that, that full armor of God is being placed upon you, just like they did in the natural here, they do it in the spirit today. And he set all the people, every man having his weapon in his hand, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, along by the altar and the temple, by the king roundabout. Do you see that structure? Do you think anybody's going to get through that? I don't think so. Not if every man holds his place. Then they brought out the king's son and put upon him the crown and gave him the testimony and made him king. And Jehoadai and his sons anointed him and said, God save the king. Now here this was the right king, the righteous king that God had designed was put into place. The way God set it up. The leadership that God appointed. He put it in place. And what happens when that occurred? And now when Athaliah heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people into the house of the Lord. This is that mother that tried to alter everything. She literally, can you imagine the nerve? She literally came right into the midst of the people, into the house of the Lord. She came right into the middle of the house of the Lord. The nerve. And she looked, and behold, the king stood at his pillar at the entering in, and the princes and the trumpets by the king, and all the people of the land rejoiced and sounded the trumpets. She did not like the sound of those trumpets. Mm-mm. Also the singers with instruments of music and such as taught to sing praise. Then Athelia rent her clothes and said, Treason, treason. Isn't that something? She cried out against it. Isn't that something? And she tried to get the people to rally behind her and gather behind her. But what had the people done? They'd strengthened themselves. They were prepared. They were readied. Then Jehoadiah the priest brought out the captains of hundreds that were set over the host and said unto them, Have her forth of the ranges. And whoso followeth her, if anybody wants to follow her, get her out of here. And if anyone wants to follow her, let him be slain with the sword. That's that word of God. For the priest said, slay her not in the house of the Lord. They wouldn't slay her on the spot right there because they didn't want the blood, the, her blood in the house of the Lord. And they didn't want her to be honored in the house of the Lord or memorialized in the house of the Lord. Just get her out of here. So they laid hands on her, and when she was come into the entering of the horse gate by the king's house, they slew her there, out by the horse gate. Isn't that something? Out by the horse gate. They took her out there, and they slew her out there. And Jehoadiah made a covenant between him and between all the people and between the king that they should be the Lord's people. Mm -hmm. Then all the people went to the house of Baal. See, she set up the house of Baal amongst them and break it down and break his altars and his images in 
pieces and slew Matin, the priest of Baal, before the altars. They got rid of everything that followed after that false God. They wouldn't have anything to do with it. Anyone that wants to leave off the following of the true spirit of God, don't go following after them. Don't go following after them. Stand fast with the true living God. Satan doesn't like the sound of that trumpet. And do you notice how dumb he is to try in and go and change, move people from it? It won't happen if they stand strong. In John 10, 26 and 27, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. See, she wanted to follow after that, that particular instant and that particular mindset wants to follow after some other voice. They will not follow after the voice of God. They certainly won't like the sound of that trump, trumpet being blown. That's not the voice they want to follow after. So they'll find some way to make it stop. They'll get some kind of rumor going, oh, what are they doing? Are they just doing rituals now to negate it? Where's that coming from? That's coming from a lack of understanding of what the voice of God actually sounds like and the supernatural moving of God in that voice. Now, if anybody has been uh, stumbled and caught in a snare by the deceiver, well, the Lord's here to deliver them out of any snare and really let them know who and what the voice of God is and how he moves and how he feels. He's very merciful. John 15, 7, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. It's not going to like the sound of my voice. It always hated it, always will. So don't be surprised. Hebrews 3, verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Don't let anything harden your heart and cause you to resist the instruction of God and exist, resist the, the largeness of him when he blows that trumpet and lets you see the difference between his true spirit and what the world out there is like and those false gods are like. Don't follow after that other. Don't follow after a, a backslidden realm. Don't follow after that. In John 4, 23, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's a supernatural God. And his voice has many sounds. And that trumpet being blown is his voice, the sound of his voice. It moves the supernatural realm. And once again, there's only one thing that would not want that supernatural realm moved or the voice of God loosed, and that's Satan himself. So don't let that deceitful spirit whisper or catch you unawares and fall into its trap. All right, Romans 1, 20, 
for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. See, there are ones that literally went off in their own vain imaginations, and the glory of God, the light of God, the, the clarity of God was just darkened and snuffed right out, and they went another direction. Don't follow after that. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools or godless. We've seen this happen. We've seen it. Don't follow after any campaign that the enemy has to divert you from the course that God has lined out. Don't follow after ones that have had their own imaginations get in there and their own reasonings get in there and have their own mind be hardened and their heart darkened. Don't follow after them. Because here's what they do in Psalms 56, verse 5. Every day they rest my words. They wrangle with the word of God. All their thoughts are against me for evil. That's their nature. That's their behavior. They're constantly wrangling and wrestling with God. And their imagination is evil. And they'll start to poke, 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 poke and find fault. And they will definitely try and shut down the voice of God. They'll try and get you to shut up. Why? Because they do not want the trump, trumpet of God sounded. They don't want that voice to go out in whatever form it is. So they'll talk against the ones that God has put into leadership. They'll talk against any kind of form of that voice that goes out. There'll be some kind of side-handed comment. Don't fall for that. Don't fall into that pit. 2 Peter 3, verse 16, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. They wrestle with it, as they do also the other scriptures under their own destruction. They're going to start, if they don't have that full understanding and they haven't sat back and gotten quiet before the Lord, waited upon him, gotten filled with his mind only, not their own reasonings, they'll start to wrestle with it and they'll turn it around to suit the direction they want it to go. And then what happens? They set up false gods and they follow after that. See, that, that one that was um, speaking in her son's ear that got into leadership was speaking unto him and guiding him off to where she wanted it to go. That's exactly what Satan does. And that natural mind will guide that soul off a wrong direction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest also, lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. If someone has backslidden and they've removed themselves from the order of God, 
Don't go join them. And certainly don't rally for God's people to go join them. How do you stay in God's protective covering? So how do you do that? Mm -hmm. Exodus 23, verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Now, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you've committed your, your life to God, God is going to send an angel. He's going to send that angel, that guardian angel is going to go out before you, and his sole purpose from God is to keep you in that perfect way and to bring you into the place that God prepared for you, not the place that you think you should be. But that angel will guide you into the place that God prepared for you. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. You see, it's not a shoe in You've got an angel assigned to you, but you've got an obligation. You've got an obligation to listen to that angel. You have an obligation before God to beware of him and not to provoke him. All right. To beware means to hedge about as with thorns. Just keep that containment. To guard. To protect. Attend to. You better attend to what that angel is telling you to do or not to do. Beward. A ward is a person, especially a minor, who has been legally placed under the care of a guardian or a court. I don't know of any higher court than God. And you've been placed under the guardianship and under the care of that angel. He's assigned to you. Reverence him. Reverence him. To be circumspect, to take heed to self, keep yourself, mark, mark it very carefully, Look narrowly, look at that narrow path. Don't use a wide girth on it. Go straight. Observe, preserve, regard, reserve self, sure, make sure that lay, lay wait for a watchman. He's the watchman that is assigned to you to keep you safe. It's supernatural. He's a spirit being. He's an angel designed by God, and he's the angel that God specifically designed just for each and every individual, just for you. But don't provoke him. Don't provoke him. He will not pardon your transgressions. There's the carefulness of God. There's the reverence of God. There's the safety of God. It's called the fear of God. There's a, a, a respect that's in place. A healthy, safe respect. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, because God's speaking through that angel's voice, then I will be an enemy to thine enemy and an adversary unto thine adversaries. You don't need to fear when you go out, when you're listening to his voice, 
He will be an adversary, an enemy to your enemy, and an adversary to your adversaries. That means if you're walking that walk and somebody wants to try and come assault you and you're doing exactly what God says you should do through, the vo through his voice being governed to you through that angel, then God will fend them off. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee into the Amorites and the Hittites and out there in the world, all these natural places. Back there they had their names. Today they have their names. And I will cut them off. When you're out there walking around in the world and you're doing exactly what God tells you to do, there's your qualifier. That is when God will cut them off. That is when God will fight on your behalf. Right there, that's when he does it. When you are doing exactly what that angel says to do, he has been given charge from God to literally make your enemies his enemy. And he will defend you, he will protect you, he will, I mean, there's a hedge about you, and he'll, and he'll cut them off. They won't be up to harm you. There again in the next scripture is a qualifier. You're out there in the world, thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works. You're not to be like them. You're not to think like them. I'll guarantee you one thing, young people in particular, the ones that are out in the world, if they're out in the world and they're serving the world, they're hating anything their parents have to say. And they will moan and, and complain and speak against any kind of governorship or safety or instruction that's put out because they want to do it their way. So what does God say? Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, what they're listening to. They're not listening to the God of all creation, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them. Uh-uh, I'm not hearing any of that. I'll tell you, I really respect my parents. I absolutely love my house, my family. We work together as a team. We love each other. And I'm glad to be there and help my parents out in any way that I can. Do you see how you cut them off at the knees? That's how you do it. That's how you cut that speech off at the knees. And I'm so thankful for them. Boy, I'm telling you, they keep me out of trouble. And they've been, they've been there. They've walked this before me. They already know and I can go to them. They're my best friend. When I need some advice, they're there for me instantly. And I know they give me good advice. That's how you cut that mindset and that spirit and those false gods off the knees and quite break down their images. I'm not going to go and be like you. And you can do it in any way. There's ways to do it. Just sides that, well, you know, I've got an appointment right now. I've got to be somewhere. See ya. Maybe. Later. But I'm not going with you. Just excuse yourself. Remove yourself from the middle of all of that. Just remove yourself. Go do something else. Go be with the, in safety with your family and enjoy them. Enjoy them. Because I'll tell you something, you're loved. If you've got a Christian family, I'll guarantee you, if they're truly serving God, the true living God that created all things, you are loved. You're cared about, you're tendered, and you are loved. And there's such safety there. Mm -hmm. Such safety. 
and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. You want all the blessings? Just honor God. Just do what he says. Listen to that angel. If you want to have all the protection and all the strength and the power on your side, just do exactly what the angel of God is telling you to do. Listen to God. Hear that trumpet. Hear it being blown. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. You'll live a full life. You'll be able to fully finish out your course before God and fulfill everything that he sent you here to do, if you'll just follow that perfect outline. And I will send hornets before thee, which will drive out the, all these other ones from the world. I'll drive them out from before thee. I will not drive them out before thee in one year. Now, see, here's something to understand. There is a wisdom of God in how he does things. He says, I will not drive them out before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate. So you need to have a structure. So I'm not going to drive them all out all at once. He says, just stick with me, right through here. And the beast of the field multiply against thee. I'm going to make sure you've got a good structure here. I'm going to do this right. Just stick with me, stick with me here. But little and little, I will drive them out from before thee. I'm going to take it a step at a time. Just keep at it, keep at it. And I'm going to drive them out. I'm going to drive them out until thou be increased and inherit the land. You're going to be promoted. You're going to be increased. I'm going to just build and build and build. And I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert unto the river, for I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and thou shalt drive them out before thee. See how he'll systematically do it? Just trust him in whatever circumstance it is. Just keep at it. Stand steadfast before him. Do exactly what he tells you to do. Keep your prayers steadfast. Blow that trumpet. Rejoice and call upon God and just do everything he tells you to do. And he will continue to move little by little. He's going to move it out of the way and replace it with righteousness. Stand steadfast. But here again is the qualifier. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. Now he's going to do this for you, but you do not make a covenant with them and you do not make a covenant with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. So don't go joining them or rubbing shoulders with them. If they're being removed out, don't start going and making agreements with them and don't be rubbing shoulders with them. Get them out of your presence. Lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. If you're going to go out and start doing it their way and being like them, it will surely be a snare unto thee. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm going to um, cover some things to let you know very plainly who you gather with and who you do not gather with.
in Matthew 12, 30, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. If they're not standing with the true spirit of God, then they're against him. Ecclesiastics 11.3, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall towards the south or towards the north, the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Do you want to know the spiritual significance of that? If a tree of Lebanon, a saint of God, falls from their place with God and they go back into the land of the dead, leave them be, keep moving. Step right over top of them and move forward with God. You don't go back to them. It says, leave it there. There shall it be. If God has put the axe to the root of a tree and it falls, move on. That's what he's saying. So don't go back to it. If they backslidden and moved themselves out of the midst of the congregation of God, move on. Don't be campaigning to be amongst them. Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. If, they if they're causing divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine of this word, avoid them. Philippians 3.17 Brethren, be ye followers together of me. Now this is Paul. We're reading what Paul had to say. And you know what? You are never going to go wrong if you follow Paul's example. And he said, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Mark the people that walk the way Paul does, the way it's lined out in this word. Mark them. If they're lining up with the word of God, Follow that example. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 28, 15. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death and are with hell. Are we at agreement? When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Are you going to go join yourself to somebody who's made lies their refuge and are hiding themselves under falsehoods? Don't do it. Don't do it. Proverbs 3.33, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. If you want to know who to stand with, who to fellowship with, who to so-called reconcile with, there's your outline. If you reconcile with anything, reconcile with God and God alone if you need to reconcile. But don't be found in the house of the wicked. 
because that's where the curse of the Lord is. If anyone has any further word of exhortation for your precious people and your glorious army of God. Yea, saith the Lord, I will be gracious unto whom I will be gracious. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Thou hast found grace in my sight. Thy petitions do put evil to flight. Even now, this day, I shall recompense those who have caused tribulation. For my chosen people are a most precious nation. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. Across the whole earth, mine eyes do go. Strong to protect my precious sheep, whose perfect hearts I shall perfectly keep. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob too. I am the God of the living and extend my loving hand to you. I shall protect thee and keep thee all thy days as you walked circumspectly in my ways. Great blessings I shall pour out upon the faithful souls, those who wait upon me and my spirit flows. Out of thy belly shall flow living waters, a gift to each of thee, my dear sons and daughters. Let it water the souls that are thirsty and cry. Let it flow, dear ones, thy faith I'll not deny. Oh, the joy and relief my spirit doth bring. Shout it from the rooftops. Let my spirit and praises ring, saith the Lord. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. This is Get Your Love on Radio, and that you just heard was a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's called prophecy. That's God speaking through a chosen vessel. And as you also heard, God's never in a box. It can come in prose. It can come in singing. But we get to praise God according to our own personalities. I hope you enjoyed this show. It was packed. You can always go back to getyourloveon.org, catch show archives, review shows. Go back to a spot and say, hey, Lord, What else are you trying to show me personally in this message? We love you so much. I want to thank everybody who makes this show possible. Thank you again to the West Coast Wapos for having us, for allowing us to share the love of Christ to all those baseball players, giving out the word. This is only the beginning, my friends. This is just the beginning, and it is a glorious one. We will keep marching forward in great love and great faith. And until next week, Lord bless your week. Don't let it die, don't let it die